Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Venezuela. Cryptocurrency's basket case darling is exploding. Well, politically, anyway, for the moment. We're going to be exploring what the historical context of this situation is, trying to understand what the stakes of the situation are, and yes, of course, looking at the cryptocurrency aspect and how freedom of finance is so gosh darn important. Now look, we're gonna be going deep on this one, and yes, we're gonna be talking about crypto, we're also gonna be talking about the political aspects of the situation because politics and crypto go hand in hand. Go back to the Genesis block of Bitcoin, look what Satoshi wrote into it. Understand the stakes of Bitcoin. Understand the power of financial freedom. It's very real and very serious. And before anybody starts saying, Lark, you're a commie or you're anti-American or something like this, guys, I'm not anti-American. Please understand, I love Americans. Your government is not you, and it often doesn't even represent you. It is the military arm of global corporations and is an expert in propaganda. Currently in Venezuela, there is a U.S.-backed coup attempt underway. Why are many people calling this a coup? Well, the people of Venezuela voted in a democratic election to re-elect Nicolas Maduro. The opposition candidates who are now claiming control of the country boycotted the elections. The election predictably had terrible voter turnout. But just try to imagine for a second the outrage if the president of the United States tweeted that Marine Le Pen was now the president of France because she said she was. Or if China tweeted that Hillary was now the president of the United States. I mean, she did win the popular vote, right? That kind of insanity is what we're seeing playing out right now in Venezuela. And if you were outraged by Russia meddling in elections in the USA, then this should actually be making your blood boil particularly in terms of outside intervention. Let the Venezuelans sort their own stuff out. Interestingly as well, anyone speaking out against the pro-war, pro-crew, pro-regime change narrative is being labeled as a Russian or a commie or unpatriotic and all this different stuff. Media, they always like to do the same old propaganda, don't they? Now, it is really, really important to understand the context of the situation. And yes, cryptocurrency does play a very real part in this story. And that's because of a few different factors. One of them is sanctions. Please understand with sanctions, sanctions are economic warfare. Sanctions are destructive. And sanctions are partially to blame for the current poverty that we're seeing in Venezuela. Remember back in the 90s, U.S. sanctions in Iraq? Yeah, that killed thousands of children. So if you can say that that had an effect, and that did have an effect, the reality is sanctions kill. Sanctions are warfare. And U.S. sanctions in Venezuela have killed. And that is straight up. That is according to the United Nations. U.S. sanctions on Venezuela are illegal and could amount to crimes against 
humanity under international law. Good thing that the U.S. isn't part of the International Criminal Court, so they can't go to court for committing war crimes. Convenient. Now, they fall most heavily on the poorest people in society, demonstrably cause death through food and medicine shortages and lead to violations of human rights. That's what the United Nations had to say about U.S. sanctions on Venezuela, is economic warfare. This has not happened in a vacuum. The food and medicine shortages, that didn't just magically happen. Sanctions have played a vital role in attacking Venezuela. And look, I'm not just going to scope scapegoat sanctions here, because that would be unfair. The UN also found internal overdependence on oil. Yes, the Venezuelan economy was way overexposed on oil. When the price of oil went down, that brought the economy on hard times. Poor governance, definitely part of the picture. Massive corruption, definitely part of the picture. This has all come together to hit the Venezuelan economy hard. But the economic warfare that's been practiced by the United States, the EU, Canada, and others are significant factors in the economic crisis. And that's not according to me. That's according to an official investigation by the United Nations. It's worth keeping in mind. Now, this in of itself, just the sanctions regime, provides an incredibly clear case for cryptocurrencies. Sanctions regimes are sick. They talk about them like there's some great thing that is going to put pressure on the dictators, and it's not really what happens. Poor people suffer every single time that sanctions are put into place, and poor people die. It's straight up. You write some legislations, you enforce banks to do things, you cut someone out of the international financial system, you make it harder for countries to trade with them. It has an effect. They are as deadly as dropping bombs, but they're much more insidious. You drop a bomb, you roll that on the evening news, you see people being blown up and go, oh my gosh, that's terrible. But the effect of sanctions is much harder to quantify, but is still very real. We cannot continue to live in a world where one country gets to determine who the bad guys are and then cut them off from the global financial system. It is unjust and it is criminal. This is exactly why we need censorship-resistant money. And it's not just for the government of Venezuela. That's a different conversation we'll continue later on in this chat. But for the citizens of Venezuela to have access to censorship-resistant, decentralized, permissionless money is game-changing. And for people in Venezuela who have caught on to Bitcoin, it has been game-changing for them. Where other families are having very hard times, at least they're able to access food and medicine, for example, because they're able to get Bitcoin, because they're able to buy things internationally and have it come through the black market to them. That has been a very important lifeline for people in Venezuela. Now, in terms of choosing who bad guys are, because this is what currently the U.S. government is saying the government of Venezuela is. They are bad guys. So how good is the USA at determining bad guys? Well, the USA has a history of backing right-wing dictators. Cases like Iran are very well discussed, but I want to particularly talk about the Latin American context here because the Monroe Doctrine continues to this day. I'm going to just give a few cases here, and this is just the tip of the iceberg, really. But we'll go back and kind of cover through history. Guatemala in the 50s. Peasants and workers, mostly of indigenous descent, 
revolting due to the harsh conditions and abuses from landlords of the government-supported American United Fruit Company were brutally repressed. Now, this led to the democratic election of a left-leaning president who was then overthrown in a U.S.-backed coup leading to a right-wing authoritarian government which resulted in 40 years of civil war. This is what gave rise to the term banana republic. They literally overthrew countries to make sure that fruit companies could ensure their profits. That was a while ago, though, about the 60s. Democratically elected government of Brazil in Operation Brother Sam. This specifically focused on destabilization of Brazil by cutting off aid to the Brazilian government, providing aid to state governors of Brazil who opposed the new president and encouraging senior Brazilian military officers to seize power and to back army chief Humberto de Alencar Castelo Branco, long name, as a coup leader. This led to the overthrow of the constitutional government in 1964. First thing they did, declare a state of siege and arrest 50,000 political opponents. Wowzers. Within two years, foreign companies gained control of about half of Brazilian industry. Job well done by the CIA on that one. 1973 in Chile, the democratic elected president Salvador Allende was overthrown by Chilean armed forces and national police. This followed an extended period of social and political unrest between the right-dominated Congress of Chile and Allende, as well as economic warfare waged by the U.S. government. As a prelude to the coup, the chief of staff of the Chilean army, Rene Schneider, a general dedicated to preserving the constitutional order, was assassinated in 1970 during a botched kidnapping attempted by the CIA. This led to the rise of the regime of Augusto Pinochet, who came to power, notable for having disappeared 3,200 political dissidents, imprisoned 30,000, many of whom were tortured and forcing 200,000 Chileans into exile. 1976 in Argentina, a similar picture, democratically elected president Isabel Perón, coup d'etat, this starts the military dictatorship of Jorge Rafael Videla. This resulted in 30,000 people becoming missing. Both the coup and the following authoritarian regime was eagerly endorsed and supported by the United States government with U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. Wait a second. Henry Kissinger? You mean the same Henry Kissinger that's sitting today on the Atlantic Council with Facebook? The same Facebook that immediately recognized the new president of Venezuela? What a magical coincidence! Yes, one in the same Henry Kissinger. He, of course, paid several visits to Argentina during the dictatorship. This dictatorship was famous for many human rights violations committed during the period. Extrajudicial arrests, mass executions, torture, rape, disappearance of political prisoners and dissenters, and illegal relocations of children born from pregnant women. Wowzers. Now you might be saying, oh, Lark, that was a while ago. Let's forget about the past. Honduras, 2009. A number of U.S. officials, most notably Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, played an important role in preventing Zelaya, who was the democratically elected leader, from returning to office, thus consolidating the power of the military junta in the face of massive nonviolent protests. 
The result of this has been that thousands of indigenous activists, peasant leaders, trade unions, journalists, environmentalists, judges, opposition political candidates, human rights activists, and others have been murdered. Yes. Since the military coup ousted the Democratic elected president in 2009. Good work, Hillary. And that, of course, is just the tip of the iceberg with active operations continuing to this day across Central and South America stealing resources, inflicting poverty, encountering democratic institutions any time it doesn't work for American corporate interests. I wish I was making all of this up. I really, really do. But this is exactly what has happened. This is the truth. And then American citizens wonder why so many people are trying to escape the right-wing dictator's poverty and violence in their own countries. But ironically, the U.S. government is responsible for so much of the dysfunction that we see across Central and South America. And what right does America have to decide what government another country is allowed to have, socialist or not? But American corporations might lose money, therefore they have to invade. But hey, I mean, Venezuela, I mean, who cares about Venezuela? They don't, you know, they probably don't have anything we would want, would they? <gasps> Wait a second, isn't Venezuela sitting on top of the world's largest oil reserves? Right. That's why they care. <laughs> so transparent. If you are a Venezuelan, my message to you will be this. Do not trust the American government. They burn everyone, and they will burn you too. If you can point to one example in the last 50 years where America intervening has made the country a better place, I'd love to hear it. My feeling, let Venezuelans sort their, sort their crap out, guys. No one has any place intervening inside of Venezuela. Venezuela is for Venezuelans. America doesn't have a place there. Canada doesn't have a place there. The UK doesn't have a place there. Let Venezuela take care of Venezuela and just leave them alone. Don't put sanctions on them. That would help a lot. Simple things like that. Venezuelans will sort it out eventually. Outside interference probably won't end well. Now, Interestingly, if the coup plotter wins this conflict, then Venezuela's oil fields will be auctioned off. It is a top priority of the interim president. And international corporations will win again. Remember, this was probably really Venezuela's greatest crime. They always blame socialism, but actually what Venezuela did was, yes, they socialized the oil fields and started using the profits from the oil to pay for Things like housing and education and free health care for people instead of letting all those profits go offshores to the mega corporations. Corporations didn't like that, did they? America does not care about the people of Venezuela. They want the oil. Isn't it funny how we see all these, yeah, but there are bad things going on. Isn't it weird how the USA didn't intervene to save the Rohingya people in Myanmar? I guess the Rohingya should have had oil. Maybe they could have expected a U.S. invasion had that been the case. And just look who is in charge of crafting Venezuela's policy. The war criminal John Bolton, who amazingly is still not behind bars, the man of Iraq fame, and of course the war criminal Elliot Abrams, who was linked to a failed coup against Chavez back in 2002. Abrams is widely remembered in Central America, if little known in the USA. 
particularly from his time in the Reagan administration when he tried to whitewash a massacre of a thousand men, women, and children by U.S.-funded death squads. Yeah, death squads. Woo! In El Salvador. This was back when he was Assistant Secretary of State. Wait for it. You're going to love this. Assistant Secretary of State for Human Rights. Yay! <laughs> oh, man. I can't make this stuff up. It's crazy. Abrams also helped organize the covert financing of the Contra rebels in Nicaragua. This was behind the back of Congress, which had already cut off funding for the program. He then lied to Congress about his role twice, later pleading guilty to both accounts, but was pardoned by George Bush and is back in government. That's sick. <laughs> Speaking of oil, please don't for a minute think that the ongoing oil wars have not played a hand here. I say this because the U.S. media is quick to say, just look at what socialism did. The picture is so much more intricate. We have a global struggle over the control of the price of oil with Saudi Arabia actively driving down prices to destroy competition and international corporations jockeying to control the supply and maximize profit before the world starts to move towards renewables. What comes next for Venezuela? Is it civil war? Is it right-wing death squads, no-fly zones, bombing campaigns? Limited troops on the ground, full-scale invasion. If that starts happening, what's Russia going to do? What's China going to do? Are they going to sit back and watch Venezuela get invaded? Tough questions to ask here. It's a very dangerous game that they are playing all to help steal oil and enrich giant corporations. It's a twisted game that they play. Remember, this picture is not as black and white as they paint it. There are millions of people who support Maduro, millions of people who voted for him, millions of people who are not planning to go quietly into the night while the U.S. empire tries to overthrow their government and steal the nation's riches. That's serious. Now, of course, most U.S. allies are lining up behind the U.S. to back the new government. Spain, for example, is saying that if within eight days there are no fair and free and transparent elections called in Venezuela, then Spain will recognize the new Venezuelan president, Juan Guaido. Funny, of course, Spain talking about free and fair elections and democracy and stuff. And then <clears throat> anybody remember Catalonia, that situation? But of course, hypocrisy is part and parcel for major global governments. That move, of course, by Spain was rejected by Maduro. And this is not the first coup attempt by the U.S. This is the second coup attempt. This century, Bush backed a two-day coup back in 2002, trying to get Chavez out of office. The U.S. government cannot stand socialism. They hate democracy when it goes against American corporate profits or people choosing their own freedom. And that's crazy because they say one thing, but then they actually do the other. And if you think Maduro should go, that's fine. He's not really that great at running his country. Let's keep it real. And yes, Venezuela is having a very tough time. Food shortages, lack of medicine, poverty, mass exodus, young minds, desperate families. But unless you are a Venezuelan, you have nothing to do with this. Worth keeping in mind. And if you say he is a terrible dictator, therefore that justifies America getting involved because America's the good guy, Maduro's the bad guy. Remember, the United States supports 75% of the world's dictators, many of them way worse than Maduro. And the U.S. continues to sell those people weapons so that they can continue their crimes against their own citizens. And you care about Venezuela, why? 
Imagine if the U.S. had helped Venezuela instead of being so actively against them. If they'd been best friends with Venezuela. But that wasn't possible because the mega corporations have got to get paid. The CIA is rampantly right-wing and profits for international corporations always come first. But hey, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you are right. Even though the USA has a history of overthrowing leftist regimes in order to install right-wing dictators to ensure corporate profits, increase oppression, and death, all while creating more refugees we can all turn our backs on, this time's the exception. This time's different, right? All those other historical examples, and even though there's exact same historical parallels taking place in this situation, Venezuela, this time, it's gonna be different. Know the facts. Know what's going on. Be informed. Reality is not what the TV is telling you it is. Now, on to crypto and some of the coup claims, now that we have the historical context in here. Guaido, the new president, or the president wannabe, we could say, is claiming this. Basically, the Constitution says if there's no president, the president of the Senate automatically becomes the interim president of the Republic. And they are saying that Maduro is illegitimate. Therefore, there is no president, so Guaido has to become the new president. So what he did this week was essentially swear himself in in front of millions of people, thus taking power of the executive branch, which was given to him by the Constitution as the head of the Congress. Remember, he boycotted the election. He said that those elections would not be free or fair. Remember, he's U.S. educated. Remember, he's working in close collaboration with not only the U.S., but also with Venezuelan oligarchs. Many agree that right-wing factions in Venezuela were behind the attempted assassination of Maduro only a few months ago. It's not to say that it was Guaido who did that, but possibly elements loyal to him. Some of the crypto community have come out, though, in support of the president wannabe of Venezuela, saying, but he's pro-Bitcoin. Well, the new president has been a proponent of Bitcoin for some time. He did mention Bitcoin back in 2014. That's a while ago. He hasn't really come out with policies saying we're going to make Venezuela a Bitcoin utopia. Or we're going to have that as our new standard of money or anything like that. Obviously, a Bitcoin-friendly government would be super interesting. And I'd be really curious to see if he did implement some Bitcoin or crypto-friendly policies. But I feel like this is one of those situations where the crypto media and the crypto pundits really grasping at straws, seeing, see, look, he's pro-Bitcoin, therefore he must be good. Situation is always more complicated than that. That, of course, brings us to Maduro. In his re-election in 2018, there were many voting irregularities around the election, claims of vote buying. Many voters simply did not turn out. It was uh, the lowest recorded voter turnout in Venezuelan history. Many prominent opposition leaders were jailed or barred from running for office. But you do have to keep in mind that some of those people were jailed or barred from running for office because of trying to kill Maduro or for plotting coups. So there is that. The main reason cited for the boycott, of course, was that these opposition leaders were not able to run. But what kind of opposition leaders were those anyway? Interesting, though, that if the voting process was rigged, as many are claiming, then how did the opposition win control of the National Assembly in a vote? Ponder that for a moment. Also worth noting that the opposition insisted that the United Nations did not come to observe the presidential elections in 2018. And that's kind of weird, right? Why would you not want the United Nations to come and observe an election if you think that it was going to be fraudulent? Doesn't make any sense. 
Now, before all of this happened, Maduro took over the Supreme Court. He tried to strip the National Assembly of power. It didn't stick, but it did shake the foundations of the nation. In 2017, a vote for the National Constituent Assembly was not really much more than a power grab aimed at consolidating power with the Socialist Party. Legally, the election may be unconstitutional because it was called by the Constituent Assembly, not by the National Assembly. So there is some real political drama going on here. The Socialist Party created and installed this legislative superbody back in 2017 to undermine the opposition-dominated Venezuelan National Assembly. Maduro is not really a cool guy, so don't think that I'm saying that he is. It's a very complicated situation, and it's really easy just to blame socialism, but that totally lacks nuance. Things like price controls really screwed up the economy. Big part of the reason why shops are empty and people are going hungry is because of price controls. 64% of people said that they lost weight in 2017, 11 kilos on average, with the poorest, of course, losing the most. But if Venezuela was about, the whole situation was about starving people, then the U.S. would be invading Yemen instead of selling Saudi Arabia bombs to continue the genocide there, because those people are really hungry. Not that it's a contest of who's the hungriest by any means. Diseases like malaria are on the rise as medicine has become scarce. And of course, is socialism to blame for all that? Well, the price controls definitely did not help, but you have to keep in mind the majority of food businesses are privately owned in Venezuela. They're privately owned by the same oligarchs who want to overthrow the government. Because Venezuela is not a pure socialist country. It is a mixed economy. It is not pure socialism. Then, of course, inflation in 2018 was unbelievable. 1.3 million percent in 2018. And the government's economic policies sucked. Debt exploded. Oil prices fell. It wasn't necessarily these social programs that tanked the economy. But all this stuff coming together pushed a humanitarian crisis of unimaginable proportions. Estimates are between 2.3 and 4 million people, or 7 to 10% of the entire population of Venezuela, have fled the country. Maduro at this time, though, does continue to have the backing of the military, thanks partially, of course, to corrupt insider deals. Will regular soldiers turn on generals at some point? Could happen. Will we see some generals put their support behind Huiaido? Maybe. Could happen. But... Again, Maduro also has the backing of millions of Venezuelans who continue to support him and the idea of the socialist movement. So please do not be fooled by the pro-war, pro-coup, pro-death media who paint a one-sided narrative that's an evil dictator with no support because it's just not true. That brings us to the Petro, Maduro's kooky idea to launch a cryptocurrency. This is a centralized coin backed up by Venezuelan barrels of oil. Interesting idea. Obviously, the downfall of Maduro and his socialist government will mean the end of the Petro. And really, no dams were given by anyone. The Petro was available for sale late 2018 to buyers who could purchase the token with Bitcoin and Litecoin. That followed a pre-sale of the coin, which raised hundreds of millions of dollars. Venezuela had been very anti-crypto before that, arresting miners, confiscating equipment for a long time before the launch of the Petro. The Petro was envisioned to be a key currency in the country. Things like pensions were going to be paid in the crypto, in the Petro, sorry. Just think about that, getting your pension paid out in this cryptocurrency, getting a bunch of Venezuelan grandmas and grandpas to get on board with the Petro. Uh, only problem... 
people didn't really like the Petro. At least reports from Venezuela were saying as much, even though the government wanted people to pay for airline tickets in it or do their banking in it and all these different things, it wasn't really catching on. People kept buying Bitcoin. But the Petro was supposed to serve as a way for Venezuela to sell oil while avoiding U.S. sanctions. Just imagine how different Venezuela would have been without sanctions. Totally different story, totally different conversation we would be having right now. The president wannabe, Guaido, is an outspoken critic of the Petro. The National Assembly, which he leads, has opposed the idea of the Petro labeling it illegal. President Donald Trump even signed an executive order barring any U.S.-based financial transactions involving Venezuela's new Petro cryptocurrency, as officials warned that it was a scam. And of course, aimed at further undermining democracy. Ah, fascinating. Again, what if they hadn't passed sanctions on the Petro? What could have happened without having their hands tied? And that brings us to another interesting story that has happened recently, and this is with the Bank of England. Basically, the U.S. successfully lobbied the Bank of England to block Maduro's access to $1.2 billion in Venezuelan gold reserves. Now, you could argue that the democratically elected government doesn't have a right to its own money because America says so, but that is crazy. And the case is not so cut and dry as your keys, your money, not your keys, not your money. If your government really believes that Maduro is a usurper, then, of course, they will not release the money to an illegitimate source. And right now, the United States and the UK and others say that Maduro is not the legitimate president of Venezuela. And so if they support that narrative, of course, they're not going to give him the money. But that is a political decision, not based on facts on the ground. But it does bring up an interesting conversation around Bitcoin and the idea of censorship resistance. It makes very little difference whether you believe that Maduro is the rightful or even a good president of Venezuela or not. The fact that the most powerful members of the international community can exert such pressure through control of assets should certainly not be considered a trivial matter. This is censorship on a massive scale. This is one country telling another country that another country can't have their money. Very serious situation there. And that has played out many times before. We've seen it happen with Iran, for example, where the U.S. has told European banks that Iran's not allowed to have its money. It's all political games. Fascinating, by the way. Venezuela and Iran, some of America's biggest enemies, happen to be two of the biggest oil reserves in the world. Just a coincidence, I'm sure, right? Look, at the end of the day, the people of Venezuela are going to continue to suffer. Whether the new guy takes over and we have privatization of everything, people will probably just get poorer in Venezuela. Whether Maduro stays in and we keep sanctions on and that regime continues, people are going to continue to suffer. I honestly hope that the citizens of Venezuela can take back their destiny. I hope that peace can return to Venezuela. But you have to remember, the U.S. is not your friend, Venezuela. Remember that in the empire of lies, truth is the most dangerous thing. Ignorance is strength. War is peace. And if all of the above feels you leave, leaves you feeling like governments are gross, then welcome to the club, guys. Welcome to the club, without a doubt. Bitcoin is the economic revolution of the century. It really is. 
it's no wonder that Venezuelans are buying Bitcoin like crazy. Whether your own government screws you or foreign powers impose sanctions on your country, then Bitcoin is there for you. Bitcoin doesn't care about politics. Bitcoin doesn't care about sanctions. Bitcoin doesn't care about your government's inept policies. Bitcoin just keeps on going. It's amazing. And of course, for someone in Venezuela, as an example, Bitcoin can provide real wealth preservation. This is the most extreme financial situation you might be able to find yourself in, in terms of political uncertainty. Holding Bitcoin right now, it's safe, it's secure, and it's a way to preserve your wealth. Remember, 1.3 million percent inflation. You think Bitcoin's drop was bad? Try living through that. Venezuela is one of Paxful's biggest markets. It's based on peer-to-peer -peer finance. It is a leading market for local Bitcoins, and there's a reason why. People understand the value of Bitcoin. The only problem I think in Venezuela that you have is that not enough people know about Bitcoin. Control your own money. Don't trust your government. And eat your vegetables, guys. Most important lessons of the day. Anyway, those are just my two stoshis on the situation happening right now in Venezuela. You guys let me know your thoughts about it down below in the comment section. Thank you so much for watching this video. You guys are super awesome. And of course, if you're new around here, subscribe to the channel. You can hit that notification bell down below to stay up to date when I put out a new video. Long live the blockchain, and peace out till next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.